We're going to be uh, kicking off a series. Uh, Pastor Justin asked me to kick off Team Spirit, and um, I'm excited to do that. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and uh, man, I'm just I'm, I'm just excited to be here. And and one of the reasons we wanted to, I think that you know you as a church wanted to start. I was talking to Pastor Justin about this. There's so many misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. There's so many. Um, I've noticed, like in the church world, I've been uh, I've been in ministry for almost 20 years now. I've been in the church world since I was a, a baby. I was I felt like I was born in the church. I grew up under they called them pews. They're like the I don't know if y'all know what pews are, but like they're not chairs like this. Their pews were like torture devices for people at church. They're made out of wood, and they were trying to keep you awake, so they didn't want you to be comfortable. You know what I mean? They didn't want you to have no padded seat. And I remember growing up in those. But I remember thinking like, man, we really emphasize God. We really emphasize Jesus. But when we got to the Holy Spirit, we kind of didn't know what to, to do with him. And we didn't know how to interact with him. We didn't know what really what his role was. And so there were a lot of things that I had to figure out on my own moving up in the world. And in the world we have today, here's what I know about you, that whenever you hear the word Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, however you describe it, sometimes we have these preconceived notions. We all come into church with some preconceived idea of who he is, of what he's role to play. And if you come from a crazy background, you might have a crazy version of the Holy Spirit. If you have come from a no Holy Spirit background, you have a no version of the Holy Spirit. And so we all come in with different preconceived notions. So my question, my favor, I'm going to ask of you today, okay? Will you just, if I can ask of anything from you, um, just let, let's just put those on pause for the next 28 minutes and 59 seconds. Is that okay? Can we do that? Like, we're just going to pause for just a second, and we're going to look at the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about who God is. Because if we see God accurately, this is important, if we see God as accurately as possible, it'll, it'll be way easier for us to have a healthy and productive relationship with him. That's really our goal today. So before we do that, let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I just thank you that today, Lord, we're here and we're, we're, we're just a part of your kingdom. God, thank you for, for the local church. Thank you for, for, for you starting the local church, Jesus, that, that you started it before you left this earth. And you said we can be a part of the great commission. God, the, 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 the mission of Christ, that we can co-labor with this mission with you. And I pray that we would get a revelation, not information, of who you are today, of who the Holy Spirit is and what he can be in our lives. Help us to be different in the way that we walked in, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Um, I have a picture of my family. I want to show you a picture because this is important because I'm going to reference this in my sermon um, today. But this is my boys. Um, I, my wife in the middle. She came with me today. That's Erica. I call her Erica. That's Erica. And so she's here. And um, uh, she's got blonde hair in this picture. She's got dark hair right here. It's the same woman, okay? Y'all are like, who's that lady with you? No, it's the same person. And so, um, and then I got five boys. So they're all, we had five, and we had twins right away. So I don't know what it's like to have one. Uh, I heard it's amazing. Let me all know what that feels like. Um, and then I have, you know, a bunch of them. We kept having boys because we were trying to have a girl, and it just wouldn't happen. At the fifth one, we were like, let's just wise up, and we're done. So we're done. But that little one in the middle, he looks cute, right? Like, that's Winston. Um, it, but he's crazy, so don't let it, don't get it twisted. He'll, he'll punch you if you get crazy. So um, love my boys, um, really enjoy being a family man. And one of the biggest things I like doing with my kids is my family's taking them out to do places, you know, go places and have fun. And so we, we did, um, uh, when we first, I'm actually from California, but I lived a good portion of my life in Missouri. I lived in uh, St. Louis, kind of the, uh, a suburb of St. Louis. And when we first moved to Missouri, we were told about this really cool water park called, y'all know what it is. It's called, it's close to here. It's called the Great 
Wolf Lodge. So we know we went into this indoor water park, and we've never seen anything like that. Because I'm from California, when you wanted to go to the water park, you just went to the beach. So out here, you don't have the beach, so you have to create the beach here. And so we we went to the water park, the Great Wolf Lodge. It looked amazing. So we we took our boys there, and I remember walking in with my whole family. We were looking at this uh, amazing thing. And in the center, if you've never been to Great Wolf Lodge, in the center of this giant water park, there's this um, giant contraption. It looks like a big bucket. It fills with water, and eventually it'll tip over. I'm talking a huge amount of water tip over, and it tips over onto the kids, and then they all get a concussion. And you take them to the hospital. It's a great, so they, it's like dangerous thing. And then, um, but at the top of them, there are two slides. There's one on the left and one on the right. And they're not the biggest slides of the park, but they're they're big because they're big for a four or five year old. So my, my son Titus, who's our third born, he was four or five, a four or five year old, I think at the time. And um, he was small, and he saw that that slide. And he goes, "That's the slide I want to go beyond. Dad, Dad, will you let me go beyond that slide?" And I'm like, "Absolutely, I was going to take you on the slide." So I left. Wife, my mom, my wife, as a mom, she looked at me and said, "Keep, keep him." Keep them safe, keep them alive, right? Because when you go to a water park and you're a parent, you're not having any fun. Your goal is to keep them alive. That's really the goal. And so they're having fun. You're keeping them alive. She looks at me, have, you know, just keep them, ha- keep them safe, Aaron. I'm, my goal, I'm a dad. I just want to have fun. I just want, all right, I'm going to go have fun. So fun, safe, grab them by the hand. We get up to the slide. And as we're walking up the stairs to the slide, I look over to the left and there's this lifeguard dude sitting over there. And I didn't really like, he was kind of like, a teenager is younger, and he didn't really look like he was paying attention to his job. So I'm like, I don't even listen to this guy. I don't know what he's talking. He was, he was telling me some 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 commands. I, I don't really know what he was saying, but I'm like, we're gonna go over this line. We're gonna wait into this line. So we're standing in the line, and he looks into uh, like down. My son does this thing. He looks over the the rail and kind of looks down and looks big, and he's starting to get a little nervous, you know. So as a dad, because I'm a Christian dad and I love the Lord, you know, I looked at him and I said, man, I don't I don't know. You could re- I mean, this thing might you might get you know. Last I heard, you know, a kid, you know, they disappeared last time he went down this. So, you know, I kind of made it nervous. So he's like, he's getting really more nervous. So I'm messing with him a little bit. And then he gets up to the front and to the front of the slide at the beginning of the slide, it starts and then it has a little quick turn. So it's really dark. It looks like you're going into the black abyss cave. Like you can't see anything. And so I set him on the edge of the slide, getting him ready, just kind of like getting him ready on set on the edge of the slide. And then what we had to do is wait for the lifeguard to, to say when to go, I think is what they were trying to tell me, but I wasn't paying attention to him because I didn't really, you know, I didn't. I was like, I don't really need to see you. I don't really need to talk to you. Like, I'm in charge. I know what I'm doing. I've done this. I'm a water slide veteran at this point, so don't worry about it. I got it. And so I'm watching this, and I remember sitting my son on the edge of that slide. I'll never forget. I set him down just right there. I said, don't worry. I'm going to hold you. And he turned around. I'm, I'm not kidding you. He turned around. He went like this. He looked at me, and he goes, Dad, no, no. That's all he did. He goes, don't do it. I don't want to do it. I said, it's okay. Say, it's okay, son. No problem. Don't worry about it. Well, I wasn't paying attention, but the lifeguard was talking to me at the whole time. And I wasn't listening. I wasn't paying attention. There's a big long line behind me and I'm kind of comforting my son. All of a sudden he gets real close to my ear and he goes, Hey, and I was like, it freaked me out and it scared me. So what I did was because I got scared, I gently, I gent with love and kindness, I gently put my foot on the back of my five-year-old son going into the cat. I, I and I gently with love and kindness, I pushed. I did not kick my son down the slide. I but I pushed him. I pushed him out and I he pushed out down the slide because I got scared. I pushed him down. He goes or hits that right corner. When we hit that right corner, it made him turn upside down and starfish down the slide. It was so as I looked out over, and I never forget, I looked at as he was starfishing down the slide as I because I kicked my son down it. Um, my wife was watching me the whole time. So my her the mom uh, her 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 baby was just kicked down a slide. I looked down at her and I had kind of panic in my eyes. I looked down at my wife and I see her. I couldn't hear because there was a bunch of stuff going on. But all I see her do was this, like, "What did you do?" You know. So my kids starfishing up and down the. And have you ever seen a kid 
Have you ever done anything like where your kid had pure terror on their face? You ever seen a kid who's pure terrified? He was he was so scared. He was like this, going down the slide, upside down, all the way into the pool of water where the lifeguard had to save him as he was going upside down into the water. Why did I tell you this crazy story? Here's what. How I saw that lifeguard really determined how I interacted with him. Because I didn't see that lifeguard as anybody important. I wasn't paying attention to him. I wasn't treating him like he had any authority. I was, try- was kind of messing around with that. I kind of just showing him off a little bit because I didn't pay attention to him because how I looked at it, it determined how I interacted with him. And ultimately, my son kind of paid for it a little bit. And at the end of the day, if you and I don't see God accurately, right? It'll determine how we, how we interact with him. We have to understand, especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is such a great and unique God that can be so important in our lives. He gives us so much power, so much presence, so much ability to do the things that I really believe, to do the things that God has called you to do. But if you don't see him accurately, it'll affect how you, you interact with with him. And and what's funny is is if you look out through all scripture, he he is in every aspect of the Bible. Cuz I'll talk to some people and they'll be like, "Well, you know, he was only in the New Testament, you know, on the day of Pentecost." No, 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 hold on. The Holy Spirit has always been, will always be because he's God. So if you go back to Genesis chapter 1 in creation, you see that there were, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit hovered on the, the waters. Well, who was that? Well, that was the Holy Spirit. You can actually see when Jesus was on this earth, when he was baptized, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. By the way, the Holy Spirit is not a dove. He's not a bird. He descended like a dove, and he came down and, and rested on to Jesus. And, and the Bible says that the heavens opened up and that God said, this is my son who, who I am well pleased. By the way, side note, God was pleased with him before he did anything. I know many of us come into church thinking like, well, look, God, one day you'll be pleased with me. One day you'll love me. One day I'm going to do enough for you to give me that moment with Jesus all that stuff happened before Jesus had a ministry. So that should teach you about the character of the God that you're trying to serve right now. Is that there? you already have his love. You already have his approval. You already have his acceptance. You're already in the family. And when you live in the family, you live from his love, not for his love. Come on, some, y'all hear what I'm saying? So there, there's a goodness of God we need to recognize that you're already in. You're already in. So, so the Holy Spirit descends. And he was there and present when Jesus started his ministry. And then you see even at the day of Pentecost in Acts where the, the Holy Spirit was poured out. You see all these moments from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. The Holy Spirit was and will always, will always be. And I've noticed that as you talk about the Holy Spirit, And as you expand on the Holy Spirit and who he can be in your life, I've noticed that some, some of us can get caught into some ditches when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to recognize that for a minute because some of these ditches keep us from learning and having new revelations about him. Um, I, I learned 
about the Holy Spirit. Actually, I grew up in the Holy Spirit in this ditch, in this kind of ditch, and I'll explain it in a minute, in the first ditch. In the second ditch, I learned ministry in that ditch about the Holy Spirit, so I kind of see both sides and understand both sides, but I think there's things that we should be um, uniquely warned about. Um, if you're not careful, they'll lead you away. The first, I, I call them ditches because they're extremes when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The first ditch, I think, is where you make the Holy Spirit um, um, strange. You know, you've known these people, and you might, you might, shoot, you might be one of these people, where, where, where you, you, have, you have had an experience, or they have had an experience with the Holy Spirit, and their experience now determines and affects their theology and doctrine, and they've created now theology and doctrine based on their experience. You don't create theology and doctrine based on experience, you create them based on Scripture. Because that's how fringe kind of religious groups get shown up, right? That's how they show up on the world. They may have an experience or what they perceive to be an experience from God. And like, that ain't, what ain't God. That was bad pizza. But you thought that was God. And so now you made a doctrine out of it. Now you have a following of people. Come on, that's how cults start. Y'all know that, right? We, 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 create, we create doctrine out of, out of the word of God. And so because you, you had an experience, and I've noticed everybody who makes God weird, isn't it true that they're weird themselves? You ever notice that? Like somebody came up to me, they're like, hey, man, God, I don't know about this God. Like, God's weird. And I'm like, well, tell me about your experience. Like, well, some dude who's like, and he started describing all this kind of things. I'm like, that ain't God. Now, in fact, that was going to be my sermon title. I told, I told you, I, did, I don't even have fancy sermon. If you want to write notes, take my, you want to know my name, my, my sermon is today? Y'all know what it is? You guys have amazing sermon titles here. I was telling your pastor the other day, he knows how to like be super creative. I'm not creative like that. Here's my sermon title for today. Y'all ready? Uh, Team Spirit. Part one. That's what my sermon title is. You're welcome. Congratulations. You won't forget that. You won't forget that. Part one. But it was going to be, that ain't God, because that's weird, right? There's some people who make God weird. But the truth of the matter is, the people who make God weird tend to be weird themselves. And so they had an experience with the Holy Spirit in their mind. They were weird, and then therefore they equate the Holy Spirit to being weird. And now because of that, you and I who maybe are looking to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit or learn about the Holy Spirit, the idea of the Holy Spirit being weird is a stumbling block between you having a relationship with him. And so you might have seen something on TV or been to a church and you, or, or, or heard someone talk or you saw a viral social media uh, reel on Instagram and you saw that and because that was described as the Holy Spirit and it was weird to you, you're like, I don't want any of that. That's kind of weird. But the Holy Spirit is not weird. In fact, Paul had to address this in one of the early churches inside of Corinth. He wrote a letter, it was called Corinthians, as a church, to a specific church in a specific time over a specific issue that he's addressing right now that had to do with the manifestation or the gifts or the evidence of the Holy Spirit. And he talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He says, in, 19, in verse 19, he says, Built it, uh, but in a church meeting, which would be like this, he's talking to the church, I'd rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Verse 33, for God, he says, and he kind of describes a bunch of things, and he wants to summarize who God is and what his character is like. He said, for God is not a God of disorder but of peace, as in all meetings of God's holy people. But be sure that everything is done in proper, done properly and in order. So you don't get rid of the Holy Spirit. You don't make him, you don't get rid of him, but you also don't make him weird so that people can't palatable, have an understanding of who he really is. Paul said, this is a concern of mine. This is a, an apostle who planted the church. And he says, be careful that you don't make your weirdness and put your weirdness on God so that it causes people to stumble and not have an experience with the Holy Spirit themselves. Now, what I find interesting about this ditch, 
which is, again, this is the ditch I, I kind of grew up in. What's interesting about this ditch is it creates a lot of spiritual elitism, which is people who, who know God the best with their words and their mind, but show God the least with their hands. So they know a lot about God. They're really good at scripture and Bible sword word smithing and can call you out on every sin that you know, yet they don't actually reflect the God of the Bible that they know so much about. And the, the point of having the, the gifts of the Spirit is to produce the fruits of the Spirit. And if you don't produce the fruits of the Spirit, love, kindness, gentleness, self-control, if, if you don't look like Jesus, you start to alienate the very God that you're talking about. So I think... At the end of the day, that's one ditch. Second ditch, so you have the ditch of the people who make him strange, but then you have the ditch of the people who make him silent. So you could be swinging. Maybe, maybe you, don't, you don't swing to that area of the, of the camp, but maybe you, you're like, well, I don't, I don't really think like that, but, you know, honestly, we don't ever talk about him. Now, I learned ministry in this camp, this ditch, because it was a little bit more like, okay, so we don't understand him. We acknowledge that he exists, but let's not talk about him because we just don't know. And so you never bring them up, and you never talk about them, when, funny enough, if you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit is the one who's actually alive and active with us here right now. So, so which one is it? What I always tell people, like, should you, you know, make them strange, should you make them silent? How about none? Check the box, none of the above. That, that at the end of the day, we need to have a full understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. And I'm so thankful for this series. I thought in the time I have left, maybe I can give you five um, general thoughts about the Holy Spirit. Just, just to kind of maybe set the tone. Just to kind of help us maybe give maybe an overview of, of the Holy Spirit. Who he is, what he's trying to do in this world right now. What, what he could be in your life. That way, maybe hopefully I can help build for Pastor Justin over the next time. He can just build upon this and create a great sermon series that I'll probably steal from him and teach to our church, honestly. Um, because the more we know about the Holy Spirit, the, I'm telling you, the better your life is going is going to be. Number one, five thoughts on the Holy Spirit. Number one, um, he's God. It's amazing I have to tell that to people. But he, he's God. He's not junior God. He's not mini God. He's not God in training. He's God. Fully God. I like what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Paul describes the Trinity and understanding of who God really is. Basic theology, basic doctrine, really summer, really quick. The Trinity. You have God the Father. Where is God the Father? In a, God, God the Father seated in heaven. You have God the Son who is now seated in the heaven on the right hand of the Father, which is the seat of honor always in Hebrew and Jewish custom. So he's there for a purpose. He's there for a reason because without Jesus' sacrifice, we wouldn't be here. Come on, somebody. So Jesus matters. Jesus is important. Jesus is the reason for the season, all that. Jesus is a big deal. But then you have the Holy Spirit who was now sent to us on this earth to be our advocate, to be here to actually help us and be with us now in this world. So we're talking about the basic idea. And I've heard all the descriptions of the, of the Trinity, by the way. Like I've heard like, you know, like where we're trying to help 
help people understand, like, well, I've heard the water one, you know, where he's like an ice, and then he's a, a vapor, and then it's, you know, and then he's liquid, and it's all H2O, and I've heard the, you know, the clo clover, the, uh, there's a flower one, there's ones about, you know, concrete. There's a bunch of descriptions, but can I just tell you, they all fall short to describe the Trinity, because at the end of the day, we're trying to describe God. I want you to think about that for a minute. We're trying, the created is trying to describe and be understanding of the creator. I, I want you to think about that for just a second. And how many times the stumbling block for us to have a relationship with God is our understanding of who God is. And some of us, I met, where you'll get into a conversation with someone and be like, I can't be in church and I can't be in a relationship with God because I don't fully understand God. And I always say this to people. You only use that criteria for God. You realize this. You only use that for God. They're like, well, what do you mean? I said, let me give you an example. Did you drive to church today? Well, yeah. Okay. So you use a vehicle. Okay. I just want to clarify that. Okay. Yeah. You realize you don't know how that thing works. Oh, no, pastor. I've tried. I looked at a YouTube. I know how all, like when I hit the gas, the gas with the gasoline goes into the cylinder and how it shoots off. No, you don't. You get into a car. You don't even have a key anymore. You just push a button. How many of y'all have a button for your car right now? You don't even use it. Some of y'all don't even have to push the button. Some of y'all get in and it starts like Tesla's changing the game. It's calling your name. Hello, Aaron. How are you? The weather's crazy. Lightning over there. Get to church quick. <laughs> we don't know how that car works, yet you use it all the time. You get into a plane. You don't know how the plane works. You eat food. You're like, no, I know this came from this place. No, you don't. You don't know where it came from. You just have McDonald's, homie. You don't know what that is. But, but we'll come to God and we'll say, God, when I figure you out, then I'll start to participate in this thing called Christianity. No, 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 no. Just so you know, just for just say you're new here to Christianity. Just so you know, none of us know what's going on. We have an understanding. We're learning. That's why you should come to church and listen to better Bible teachers like Pastor Justin and actually listen like, well, what, how does this thing work? I'm like, you're going to spend your whole life trying to figure out this thing called God. But let me just warn you, if you ever feel like you figured him out, he ceases to be God in your life. Because by definition, God can never be figured out. He's God. So be okay with that. Christianity was meant to be believed. Dramatic pause. <laughs> and so we have to be okay with the idea that we don't fully understand, but, but the Bible teaches us, Holy Spirit, man, he's God. Second thing, he's a presence. He's, he's a person. He's a person. Second thing, he's a person. People have presence. You ever been in a, um, a room by yourself? Like sometimes, or dark room, maybe sometimes, I don't know if you mean, maybe you're at your home and you're nobody's, nobody's home, you know. Every once in a while, I'll have a moment of peace in my house where like my wife takes the kids. Every Friday morning, she takes them to a homeschool co-op. And uh, yeah, we're those people, you know, we homeschool our kids, you know. We didn't for a long time, but you know, she, uh, we, we had to we had make some adjustments. And um, 
she homeschools our kids, so she's gone. And I'll be home at I'll be home alone, like for like an hour in the afternoon on Friday. And it's eerie. And then all of a sudden, like, I won't hear anybody. But you ever notice, like, when somebody's in your house, like, you just kind of get the press the sense, right? Somebody's there. And, um, and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But, but the idea that the Holy Spirit is a person is important because people bring presence. When I'm around somebody, there's a presence there. We talked about it today. Like, the Holy Spirit, and we're worshiping. And said this, God, you're here. Well, who is that? God, if you're here with us and you're in our presence and two or three are gathered, who are you talking about? Who, who are we talking about? We're talking about the Holy Spirit. He's here. You can feel him, but he's not a force. This isn't Star Wars. Y'all watch Star Wars before? Anybody watch Star Wars? Anybody, anybody, Star Wars, anybody like a Star Wars junkie? Raise your hand. If you just, okay, one, two, three. I'm not you. I like the movies, but I don't know deep back, you know, dialogue or whatever, whatever, you know what it is. But in Star Wars, they have this thing called the Force, right? And it's like Vader choking people out, you know? Or it's like the Jedi opening a door, or they can move stuff, and they can float things and all that. Holy Spirit's not a Force. It's some invisible, mysterious, magical thing. It's not magic. He's a person. That person brings presence. That person brings power. That person, person brings per purpose. That person brings perspective. There's something power. You can feel him, but it's not a force. He's not, it's, it's not something magical. It, he's a person. And as such, if you look at the Bible, he, they describe him in person language. Acts chapter 5 says he can be lied to. You can't lie to a force. You can lie to a person. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he can be quenched. That the Holy Spirit is a fire. We sang about it today. There's a fire. I know sometimes like, you know, people who don't know God are like, fire, we're on fire. Who, who's on fire? Somebody get the fire extinguisher. No, no, there's a, there's a Holy Spirit fire and power and anointing that can come upon you. And there can be something that can happen and change inside of you. But you can quench the Holy Spirit. He's a person, there's Ephesians chapter 4, that he can be, this is maybe the most dramatic, he can be grieved. You can't grieve a force. You can grieve a person. And when, he, when you understand him as a person, he, he becomes less ethereal, which means he becomes less um, imaginary in the sky, Zeus-looking God, to now we, we have a relationship. Now I can, I can be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit because he's, he's a person. He's a person. Number three, he will help you. Now we get into the nitty-gritty of, of the Holy Spirit and what, what's his purpose here. I like, what, I like what John chapter 16 says. This is Jesus describing the Holy Spirit. He says, nevertheless, I will tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Like, Jesus, that makes no sense. We like you. Stay here. That's what I would have said. I'd have been like, teacher, I have a question. And he goes, no, no, no. No, no, no. You don't understand. This is good. He says, the helper. But say helper. Come on, like you got Red Bull and you're happy to be here. Say, helper. Okay, helper. He said, helper will, 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 will not come to you. He said, he won't come if I don't go. But if I go, I'm going to send him to you. And he's going he's gonna to help you. He's going he's gonna to help you in your life. That Greek word helper there is a parakletos. It means to be, um, to, to, it means to help, to, to be like a, 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 
an intercessor, a counselor, a comforter, a, a, a helper. It even correlates closely to the Hebrew word Eazer, which was always describing the Holy Spirit from the beginning in the Old Testament to the New Testament now. Which, by the way, side note, all the ladies in here, the Bible describes you in the same way and uses the same biblical and Hebrew language to describe you as he does the Holy Spirit. So I always laugh when somebody says any, any type of things where they kind of talk about like, if you ever feel undervalued as a woman, know this, that God doesn't see you like that. In fact, every opportunity Jesus had on this earth, he used his influence to elevate those that were oppressed. Just so you know. Like, don't get it twisted. Don't let, like, viral social media and rampant, inaccurate news tell you and inform you about the character of the God you serve. Because every time Jesus was around kids back in that day, he elevated children. Every time he was around women back in that day, he elevated women. In fact, so much so that he irritated the men who all had all the power. He said stuff to husbands that made no sense. He said things to him like, hey, by the way, you don't only love your wife. Let me give you a clear description of how you love her. Love her as Christ loved the church, which was sacrificial in nature. You need to die for her daily. And most of those guys would have been like, well, say what? Because to us, that's hard, guys. Right? You're like, God, do you know my wife? How am I supposed to die for this woman? Is she crazy? But to them, that was crazy futuristic thinking because no one even saw women and children higher than property. Jesus is the great equalizer of people. Like the Holy Spirit, you ladies, equal in value, different in role. Equal in value, different in role. So he, he establishes who the Holy Spirit is. He's my helper. He's sent to us to help us. What does he help you in? That's a question, isn't it? Okay, well then, where's he going to help me? My question, I, can, I answer, can I be Jesus-like and say and answer your question with a question? Where do you need help in? Well, I need help with my finances. Good, Holy Spirit can help you with that. I need help with my marriage. Okay, he can help you with that. I need help with my kids. You see my kids? They're crazy. Yeah, no, yeah, he can help you with that. I need help with my job, my boss. He don't know, like... You don't know about my boss's career. Okay, yeah, Holy Spirit can help with that. My health, my physical health. Yeah, Holy Spirit can help with that. Wherever you need help, he can help. So, so the point of the Holy Spirit is to help. I, I coach my kids' flag football team for the first time ever. Now, I don't know anything about football. I grew up playing baseball, so I'm learning. I, like, downloaded a bunch of plays from Google, and um, I put my kids in the same league, and and um, it's interesting because I hate it um, because the league makes me, I don't know if y'all have to do this, maybe they don't do it here, but the league makes me hand out medals every week to one person before we play the game. And then they say, just give them a medal. And I said, how am I going to give them a medal? They don't do nothing yet. So you got to give them a medal to participate 
okay. And, and then I got to be their coach. So we had the first meeting of the year before the kids start playing. Get them all around. I'm like, come on, grab a knee. We're going to talk. She sit down. I said, I'm the coach. Who's the coach? They said, you the coach. I'm the coach. Who's the player? They, I said, everybody grab some sky. They said, you're the player. So now we know what the role is. Let me tell you what my whole purpose of being here is. I'm just here to help you. I'm not going to run the ball for you. I'm not going to play the place for you. I'm not going to, you know, run out there and block and tackle for you. I'm not going to do anything for you. I'm going to help you accomplish what you want. I'm going to help you score touchdowns. That's my job. I'm here to help you. And if we can get that concept with the Holy Spirit, it's going to help us a whole lot. Because a lot of times when you and I come into Christianity, we can look at God and say, God, you go ahead. And I think the Holy Spirit sometimes, um, let me clarify my role here. I'm here to help you. I'm not going to run the plays of your life. I'm not going to hold the football plays of your life. I'm not going to run down the field of your life. You do it, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there to help you. I'm going to make sure you get in the end zone. If you just listen to me a little bit, whatever you need, I'm going to help you, but I'm not going to do it for you. So I know sometimes we sit to God and go, God, come on. Come on, God. We need your help. We need your help. You go, And I think God's saying, okay, go ahead. Go and get. Jump down that slide. <laughs> right? Because he's, he's, he's there to help you. Number four. I'm wrapping it up. He will convict you. John chapter 16, verse 8. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And when I said conviction, a lot of us in here said, see, there it is. I knew he was going to, I knew it. Turner Burns coming. Guess what? It's just going to happen. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. He's going to, and when I said conviction, you heard condemnation and they're not the same thing. Condemnation is a tool of the enemy. Conviction is a tool of the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is wrapped in, it, condemnation really is where you are and where you're stuck and where you can't be. It's all wrapped in hopelessness. Conviction is who you could be in Christ wrapped in hope. It's wrapped in hope. Be hopeful. You can be that. You, 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 you can do it and you can make it happen. The Holy Spirit always convicts us to remind us of who we are in Christ Jesus. The other day, my sons like to wrestle and they fight. And the other day I was watching them, and I probably should have, as a dad, I probably should have stopped this, but they were fighting. But I don't know if y'all are like this with me. Sometimes I just let stuff play out. Come on, parents, y'all do that a little bit. Come on, let's admit it a little bit. Sometimes you're like, you probably should step in, but I kind of want to see how this, I want to see who wins. Just go ahead. So I was standing at the distance, and, um, and so one of the younger brothers got tired of his older brother. He's got, I'm saying, say it again. Say, say it one more, say it one more time. Y'all, who, who, y'all have siblings in here? Anybody have siblings? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, they get on your nerves, right? Brothers and sisters get on your nerves more than any other person can get on your nerves because they know how to do it. They know what bothers you. So I watched it, and he goes, say it again, say it again. And then my, my son just got mouthy. He got fresh mouth. I'm saying, you, you wrote the check. He cashed it, homie. <laughs> And dude, he just punched him. And it, I, I, I should have stopped it, but then I got offended that he punched his brother. And I'm like, and I did the thing that parents shouldn't do. Like, why are you always punching your brother? What were you thinking? What's wrong with you? You know, the bad thing that you're not supposed to ever say, you know, like kids don't know how to answer that question, by the way. They don't know what's wrong with them. Their brains aren't developed. What are you talking about? To them, it was fun. There was an idea. They went after their idea. But 
I, my wife heard me in the other room, and she, she took me later. She goes, hey, next time you're correcting the kids, do you think that maybe you can use something positive like this? And this was her strategy. Hey, son, you're a man of God. That's not what you do. That's not what men of God do. That ain't even who you are. You need to, can, can you take a step and not, we don't hit in this house like that. That's not how we respond. That's different than why do you always punch your brother in the face? You're terrible, right? That sounds different. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. As he walks up to you and he says, you ever been in something? You ever been in a place you know you shouldn't be? You ever watch a movie you know you shouldn't be watching? You ever seen that TV show where you're like, this is on the line. I feel like we're crossing it right now. Been at a party. Drank something you shouldn't. Said something you shouldn't. I mean, nobody likes to talk about this in church because we don't want to feel. The Holy Spirit. You ever get that feeling? Mm. He's convicting you a little bit. He's looking at you saying, woman of God, woman of God, woman of God. That ain't you. That ain't you. You know, you know that ain't you. You shouldn't be here right now. You shouldn't be with that dude. He had, mm, man of God, you know you should be at home right now. Come on. You know, you, you see what I'm saying? And he, he'll come in your life. Why? Because he's, he's trying to help you. Last one. Last one and I'm done. And you can play the music. Pretty music. Uh, he will guide you. He will guide you, specifically in truth. John 16 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak to you on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us to guide us in the truth of the Bible, and it, 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 it makes it, what I love about the Holy Spirit in my life, and I think he can do that with you with truth. He guides you in truth, truth. What do we call this thing? This thing's like the truth. This is, this is the truth right here. And so he guides us, and I, I've noticed that sometimes I'll read stuff in the Bible that make no sense. Has anybody read the Bible recently and, and was like, this thing is confusing? Anybody else other than the pastor who's preaching about it right now? Okay, good. I've been teaching the Bible for nearly two decades. It, it's, there's a lot of stuff in here I don't fully understand. And then I'll pray. Let me tell you, just give you a secret. This is a secret weapon. I'll pray and I'll ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to me and I'll see stuff that I've never seen before. I have a friend who's like a Marvel junkie. He's like a Marvel comic movie guy. You may have that guy, or maybe you are that guy, but you know everything about the backstory of Iron Man and Captain America and all this kind of stuff. So I asked him one time about this recent, um, I'm like, tell me about Doctor Strange. Tell me about like, you know, you know Iron Man and how, where, where all this stuff kind of come from, or Loki and all this. I don't understand any of this backstory. So he gives me all this information. He goes, now listen, go watch it again. And I was like, Man, I'm really not into all this. I don't. I, I was just curious about the backstory. He goes, no, no, go watch it again. You'll see crazy things. And he was. I started watching it. I was like, whoa, that's why that happened. Oh my gosh, that's over there. Oh, wow, I didn't know. I didn't know. And I'm like, this is crazy. And the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, He'll do that for you. He'll guide you. You just ask Him. Just ask Him. Say, God, can you show me something unique about this this book? This collection of books that changes people's lives. Can you just give me some insight? And I've read some stories. And I'll reread a story or I'll reread a scripture. And I'm like, I never saw that. I never saw that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is here to, he's to help you. 
um, when I planted our church, there were days. Um, I, I planted, can I be raw in here? Is that okay? Can I be real? Um, I planted our church uh, right before we planted it. I went through a six-month-long depression. And I never struggled with that ever in my life. And I remember there were days where I, have you ever been in a season, and maybe this is your season now, where you can't, will you, will you run out of things to, to say to God when you pray? I have ran out of what to say to you, God. It's bad. Fix it, please. And there were days where I'd wake up, and it, if it wasn't for my relationship with the Holy Spirit and praying in the Spirit that I just, if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be here. Our church wouldn't exist. I wouldn't have that woman. I don't know if I'd be friends with Pastor Justin. It's like the holiest man I know. It's like, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have anything that God has given me in my hands if it wasn't for my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm asking you on behalf of your future self, will you be open in the next several weeks as we expand this series? And as Pastor Justin goes deeper into who the who the Holy Spirit is and can be not just who he is, but who he can be in your life. Because I would dare to say the future that you want and the future that God has for you that you don't even know about is on the other end of you having and receiving the Holy Spirit for yourself. That's my prayer for you today. Will you bow your head and close your eyes in here? Let's pray.